Hello, and welcome to the DebtWire Middle Market Podcast. I'm Giovanna Zavero. I'm Catherine Perloff. Today, we're joined by Mark Podgany, Managing Director at Getzer Henrik. Mark has more than 20 years of experience in operational roles and consulting in a variety of industries, primarily in retail and consumer products. Following up on our last podcast, which discussed predictions for the 2020 holiday season, we're going to discuss how COVID impacted holiday sales, as well as expectations for the year after months of pandemic-induced strain and distress. Welcome, Mark. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? Thank you so much for having me. Everything's great. So for our first question, um, U.S. retail and food service sales decreased by 0.7% in December, marking a drop for the third consecutive month. A lot of middle market issuers were betting on holiday sales as a saving grace after months of strain. But now that we're past the holidays in 2021, what is a general assessment of the situation? Well, according to the National Retail Federation, overall retail sales, excluding auto dealers, gas stations and restaurants, during the November-December holiday season, which which they define as uh, November 1 to to December 31, including brick and mortar and digital sales grew 8.3% over the same period in 2019. Digital and non-store sales experienced uh, higher growth. You know, that was up 23, 24% over over 2019. So, So, Consumers actually did spend quite a bit over the holidays, really because you've got people that aren't spending on recreation and leisure travel due to restrictions and so on. Um, People are spending some money, uh, especially over the holidays. So uh, that's really, you know, splurging is one way to make yourself feel better and your family. And I think it it actually was a a better holiday season from a, a store spending perspective than people thought it might be. Food service, on the other hand, didn't fare as well. Um, according to the National Restaurant Association, sales at eating and drinking places declined 3.6% and 4.5% in um, November and December, and were down 22% as compared to pre-pandemic levels in January and February of 2020. So it, it really was quite difficult for eating and drinking places. A lot of municipalities put on new restrictions or brought back old ones on dining and drinking indoors due to the COVID-19 resurgence in the fall. So, you know, it, it's, it's a little bit of a tale of two cities. Eating and drinking places uh, did not do well at all. Uh, retail actually fared surprisingly well, despite uh, digital sales increasing, you know, significantly. That's interesting. And, um, you know, not every category of retail is created equally. And, uh, you know, some might have fared better than others. So I guess within retail, what subsectors did the best? Where were people splurging the most? And what unites these retailers um, that did well versus did poorly? Maybe not just in terms of sectors, but in terms of um, steps they took. Sure. I I mean, it's really a tale of two cities again. You know, the winners and the losers. uh, The winners were concepts like home improvement stores, sporting goods slash fitness, really more on the fitness side, uh, furnitures, uh, furniture and furnishings, and discount stores. Also, uh, you had uh, the big discounters like Target, Walmart, they did well. The, on the losing side, you had apparel, electronics, and appliances, and department stores. On, on the electronics and appliances, um, you know, sales were pretty good throughout the year, 
people stuck inside. They bought new electronic devices. But because they've been buying through the year, they didn't really buy over the holiday season. On the apparel side, people aren't going outside uh, to meet with friends or, or, or clients or you know, business uh, going to the office. And though that kind of apparel drives a lot of purchasing. Uh, people are buying sweatpants and things that they feel comfortable in uh, you know, to wear at home. And, and that's really the only part of apparel that's, that's done well, but apparel's really had a, a disastrous holiday season. So speaking of that, as a result of social distancing guidelines, a lot of shopping this holiday season happened online. Um, and retailers have been going through this shift over the last few months. And do you think that they adapted fast enough to this new reality? And was this reflected upon holiday sales, which can comprise up to 30% of annual sales for many retailers every year? Well, let's be honest. I mean, retailers have been gearing up their online capabilities the last few years, and particularly since the pandemic. It wasn't going to be a surprise to anybody that a significant portion of, of in-store shopping would be online. So, you know, in short answer to your question, retailers had plenty of time to adapt, but some clearly did a better job than others in that transition. And in, in terms of, you know, the holiday sales, it, it clearly showed that, you know, online shopping was, was significantly up as compared to last year. So it, it, it was a, a big factor and it did show up in the numbers. And do you think the middle market specifically had less of an advantage because they have less resources to adapt to online platforms? I think that's very true. If you don't have digital capability or your digital capability isn't fully up to snuff, it requires a significant investment. And when you're trying to get other parts of the business uh, going or, you know, you're very liquidity challenged, it's it's a real challenge to get your, your online infrastructure together and have the right marketing capability to to drive sales online. So I do believe that middle market companies uh, had a, had a much more difficult time than the, you know, the larger cousins uh, in retail. Yeah, and for these companies that have been struggling they, you know, so for the retailers that have been struggling, they may have gotten some flexibility in terms of covenants on their credit facilities. But this this crisis has been going on for a while. And do you sense any sign of a lender fatigue? That's a great question. I, I do not sense uh, signs of lender fatigue yet. Although we may see some fallout in the next couple of months for those retailers who are hanging on, who are hanging on for a good Christmas and underperformed. If there isn't enough liquidity to last, then there's going to be action taken. That's really the big driver of lenders taking action at this point is running out of cash. If, if it's a covenant issue, I think lenders are inclined to hold off. Why take action now, um, especially with the vaccine deployment around the corner? And you've got a, a company that could be doing extremely well in, in several months' time, but you'd be forcing a bad outcome because they blew a covenant. I think lenders don't want to be in that position. They don't want to have the negative publicity and they're inclined to wait if they've waited this long because unless there's no cash to pay the bills and asset values deteriorate and so on, lenders are going to hold off. 
And speaking of issuers in the distress space, those that were kind of holding off to see what the holiday would bring, if, if things were going to turn a corner, what are your thoughts on restructuring activity this quarter for these issuers? Do you anticipate an uptick following the holiday season or are people still waiting to see where Congress goes with additional stimulus packages? Well, I think this quarter is going to see some uptick. Uh, but I think it'll be very modest. And, and, and that's because, as, as you said, uh, there is potential for additional stimulus. The vaccine deployment is around the corner. And, and then you've got, as I mentioned, the counterparties like lenders are, are trying to be patient. Lenders, vendors, uh, landlords to the extent that they can. And so I don't think that you'll see um, a, a, a big uptick. There will be those occasional uh, retailers that, you know, again, were hanging on through the holidays, but they underperformed, and now they, they're just not going to have the cash to survive through the spring. And and we should see in the next few weeks some, you know, small modest uptick. Right. And so for those that do end up having to file. How do you anticipate bankruptcies will be financed? Is it going to be dip facilities or cash collateral? And, you know, when a company is sort of nearing a bankruptcy, nearing an adequate restructuring, maybe distressed investors want to get involved. But is there appetite among distressed investors, given that a lot of retailers, uh, so some of them, I don't know, not a lot, but some uh, retail bankruptcies have turned into liquidations or started as liquidations, so harder to retrieve value there. I think the financing is going to depend on strategy and timing. If the strategy is a liquidation strategy, you might see more cash collateral financing. If it's, if it's a sale or restructuring, you may see more dip financings. But the dip financings would largely be, I think, defensive dips by the senior lender, but, you know, a bridge to a sale could come from a buyer. That, that's a possibility, and obviously that happens. So it really depends on where you are with your cash and, you know, what the strategy is, where are you going to end up, you know, what are you doing in bankruptcy? In many, if not most cases, you know, the strategy that maximizes a recovery to creditors is a liquidation today. And even liquidation value has been lower in the last year due to the glut of inventory generated as a result of the pandemic. I think investors would only consider getting involved with those retailers that are, that are offering something special. Uh, a really strong, visible brand, really interesting merchandise, things of that nature that they can build off of or find synergy with a portfolio company that they already have if it's a, you know, a, a, a sponsor. But I, I think that liquidations are going to continue. And unless it's special, you're not going to see an investor put up money. It's no mystery that retailers have been struggling long before the coronavirus pandemic. But as the popular saying goes, in every crisis, there's an opportunity. How do you think that they can that they will be emerging? They, can they emerge from this stronger or will, or will we be seeing a lot more consolidation in the market? And is there market appetite for capital raising within the industry? The, the way I see this is retailer, the retailing industry is in the midst of a long-term restructuring. You know, retailers have been struggling to adapt to the market for a number of years prior to the pandemic, and the pandemic has accelerated the change. This is, this is like a war. And the retailers that come through this, if they, you know, they can come through the spring, they're going to be battle hardened. 
and, and more likely to succeed because they've cut the costs, they've negotiated the leases, they've negotiated with vendors, they've put in the right people and things like that. But they are probably still also financially fragile. And so they're susceptible to market forces, whether, you know, a change in consumer behavior, for example, or locations that don't be, you know, that aren't uh, interesting to the consumer anymore. And of course, the, the never ending cycle of bad management decisions, you know, things like merchandising, pricing, purchasing, et cetera. One, one wrong move could, could be fatal, but, but the, the retailers that come through the pandemic are gonna be in a much better operational shape, potentially financial shape, but most likely fragile and susceptible to something else happening, which you know we know has occasion to happen. I, I, I don't think there is an appetite for capital raising in the industry unless you're talking about you know very strong brands, unique product and merchandising or digitally native brands. You know, so like I mentioned before, uh, unless there's really something special, capital is staying away from the retail industry for the most part. And I think that'll continue in the near term, uh, maybe in 2022, once the transition back to normal has happened and we see which retailers are, are doing well, then I think you'll start to see some capital coming back into the industry. One just kind of piggybacking off of that, do you, what do you see as kind of the future of brick and mortar retail? You know, a lot of locations and malls are struggling. You know, you mentioned uh, closing certain locations is pivotal to these retailers who will survive. I guess, you know, where do you see, you know, successful brick and mortar thriving these days, especially when the kind of mall format seems particularly uh, challenged? Well, that's a great question. I, I honestly, it comes down to foot traffic, right? And uh, consumer behavior. I think consumers have, you know, moved away and obviously the, the, the numbers have shown this. Consumers have moved away from going to one location and shopping for a whole bunch of different things. They're really doing more targeted shopping, uh, it seems to me. And, and I think you have to have the right location. And that right location depends on the market. It's really a local thing. And, and as we all know, loc location um, or great locations change over time. And you could be have a 10-year lease and somewhere you know five years in, a retail, you know, consumers decide that that's not the place that they want to go, that area of the town, that area of the city, and, and they, they want to go somewhere else. And, and I think the, the, the trend may be to shorter leases. You may be paying more, but you don't have the issue of getting out of a lease, a long-term lease, to change locations. I think retailers have to be extremely nimble. Things like pop-up stores, I think, will be will be very popular if only to test out locations and see if they're viable. I think there'll be alternative spaces that that you'll find retailers uh, uh, coming up in. There could be mobile. You know, we, we see that obviously in food service. You know, trucks. Uh, you know, food trucks and the like. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see uh, more. You know, mobile. Uh, retailing of different kinds that emerge in the next few years where you can you can be where the consumer is and you know drive around and be seen those kinds of things so I think it, it depends but there 
you'll 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 start to want to have more flexibility in where you put your locations. And I don't know that there's a real kind of silver bullet answer as to where the right locations are. It really depends. Perfect. Thank you so much, Mark. And is there anything else that we forgot to ask that you would like to emphasize? Well, I, th I think the, the the last question, you know, about locations and leases, we didn't really talk about uh, landlords. And, you know, obviously retailers through the pandemic did a lot of restructuring of their leases and uh, there were uh, lease deferrals and lease abatements. Uh, but with this second wave, I, I think there could be another round of negotiations um, and further reducing or eliminating locations. I mean, this isn't over and we're not out of the woods until we're out of the woods. And the, although the vaccine is you know, on the cusp of being deployed around the country, it hasn't been deployed around the country. And you know, hearing about shortages of vaccines you know, promises of, you know, 6 million doses a week or something and getting 3 million doses a week from the manufacturers, you know, we're, we're not out of the woods and retailers, you know, a few months to a retailer is a lot of time and a lot of cash. So I think the landlord uh, situation isn't over and uh, you're going to see more negotiations in the first six months and retailers trying to get the last drop of savings that they can. And I think as a result, you're, you're going to see a big fallout in, in the retail industry in the second half of the year. Got it. Thank you so much once again for joining us, Mark. And thank you, listener, for tuning in.